So I'd like to share some reflections. Um, I think it's a fairly simple talk. (laughs) We'll see. Hopefully uh, some some helpfulness in it. Um, So what I what I want to talk about is uh, three three qualities, three aspects of the Eightfold Path that I did a kind of uh, inquiry where um, rather than sitting out to you know, meditate in a particular way, I decided just to observe what, what was happening when I, when I sit. <laughs> so I, I don't know about you, at some point, maybe you've been doing it a long time and do you, you know? Do you actually know what you're doing? <laughs> like, what's happening? You know, it's interesting. Maybe it's very clear sometimes. And 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 I was particularly interested in kind of what what is it that if I look at my own experience, like what's what is it that I'm connecting with or if you like doing mentally that is bringing me into a sense of entering a period of formal practice, you know, whether it's just a sit or a whole retreat. And my sense is when we're on retreat, we keep going through this process of of sort of leaving somehow, (laughs) getting a bit, you know, off, lost, wandering, and then there's this sort of re, oh, right. So I'm, that's part of what I'm interested in, and to kind of offer three of the things that I kind of picked out as being somehow seems significant for me um, at present. And it was interesting because when I was identifying them, I wasn't, and then I realized, oh, they're all in the Eightfold Path. Okay, that's good. So maybe I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah, this is. So, so maybe the way that, that practice can become so kind of uh, idiosyncratic in a way or so familiar and you know how it is sometimes in interviews when you come and sometimes it's, it's not so easy to put into words the insights or, you know, the practice. Uh, so, yeah, these qualities. So I'd like to touch on the qualities of sim- simplifying, um, knowing, and caring. I'm very drawn to ing, ing words like gerunds or gerundives, or whatever they are technically. <laughs> the sense of of you could you you know nouns somehow seem more you know limited in some way, um, but kind of this sense of simplifying. So I'll just say a little bit about each one of these. So, you know, we might call it renunciation. You might call it letting go. We might, you know, like that at the beginning of the Satipatthana Sutta, that's, or is it the, anyway, the bit about um, stepping aside from covetousness and grief for the world. It's like that sort of... So I've been noticing this, getting up in the morning and 
having a period of like, oh, you know, what day is it? Who am I? Well, that dream is weird, or whatever it might be that you go through. And then, you know, coming to sit, I get my cup of tea, cup of tea, and then, you know, park. And then, ah, okay. So what what I'm seeing is like different levels or different sort of aspects of simplifying and, and so you, you, you might see kind of how does that work for you. That, that actually helps you to really arrive and kind of enter uh, sort of sense of, you know, I mean, in a way, on one level, when you sit, it's kind of, isn't it, you, you, you let go of walking around, or whatever it is, you know, it's like, even that is significant. I mean, so... I think there's something here, you know, maybe like with some of these great concepts and these great qualities, you know, it's like we look for the grand gestures and the marvellous, you know, acts of this or that, but the simplicity, just the fact that you're sitting here is already so significant. And so, you know, and, and for you, you know, getting here, I mean, just to get here on retreat, I mean, what that takes what you have put aside to be here. You know, that's really worth kind of reflecting on and and valuing and kind of, you know, that really, that's like, it's, it's, um, it shows that you're valuing something, you're prioritizing something. You know, and I think that, so... The simplifying of of that more external, you know, sort of activity and involvements and, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that sense of, of um, this pausing, stopping. I once heard Ajahn Sachita tell a story about her a prisoner who, who was put into solitary and um, asked for a book and had a, a Buddhist text thrown uh, into the room. And he picked it up and, and pretended to meditate. I'm paraphrasing, you know, but I hope doing justice to the spirit of the story as I remember it. It's like the sense he just sat there. And so he would sit. So in case the guard looked through the thing to see if he was, you know, doing what he said he was going to be doing, something spiritual. So he'd throw the book and he'd just be sitting there looking Buddhist. And the person who told the story that Ajahn Sachita heard it from said that the remarkable thing was that after a period of time, this person clearly was benefiting from pretending to be Buddhist. Right? (laughs) I don't know if that touches you. I found that very beautiful and kind of a reminder of, you know, maybe when we started in practice, which for some of us is decades ago, and that I can remember, you know, it's like you go in and you're all bushy-tailed and white, so they tell you to sit there, and so you just sit there, you know. It's like, okay, let's see, you know. And then maybe 
over the decades of sitting and studying and hearing, you know, 59,000 Dharma talks and <laughs> reading 43,000 books, or <laughs> exaggerating slightly here, and the accretions and the ideas and the expectations and the, you know, well, should I do this, should I do that, you know, and just the simplicity. I'll just sit there, pretend to be Buddhist. There's... You don't have to, you know, and that sense of how you, you know, you, I, I can remember one teacher a story about maybe it was Jack Caulfield saying, you know, how how can you tell if someone's doing well on retreat? You know, and he says, well, they're still here. <laughs> you know, and and I think that's, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's also a serious point. And the, the simply, you know, showing up and hanging in there and the strange kind of somehow we learn, process happens. So, and I've noticed that in my own in practice where sometimes, you know, it's the last thing I want to do is sit there and feel all this discomfort and whatever it might be. I know, you know, I know at this point that it helps. <laughs> and I haven't done anything clever, you know, or achieved anything marvellous. And just, you know, sat there and stopped doing stuff. And so, you know, I just think that's maybe a helpful thing to remember on retreat or any any time. And I was thinking how I actually, I've also been, it's been coming up in in relationships with other people, which do happen on a silent retreat, don't they? They do actually happen. There is relating happening. Other people are not an insignificant part of a silent retreat, which always, when I first realized that, I found kind of amazing, given we're not talking to each other very much. Um, But the simplicity, the simplifying... You know, if, perhaps every relationship is complicated, and it's like, you know, I don't know what happened and what might happen, and you know what we think and what they might be, and what they might think of me. So this sort of renunciation on that level, the simplifying of, can I just be with the human being in front of me? I mean, that's, you know, simplicity. That's simplifying. Not to deny the complexity of the human condition in the mind, but it's like that to me is something I can really feel, you know, in all areas of our life maybe. We could we could take that up as a theme in a practice, not to stop doing things. Maybe we keep doing lots of things in our life. But could we do them in a sim in a in a simple simpler way, a sort of sense of you know, all that. Like 99% of what? Maybe not so helpful. So you can go more, maybe more naked into situations and, you know, it's an interesting kind of, anyway. So um, the other, the level of, of again, yeah, of, of um, You know, sometimes I think it's not that we need to renounce or let go of or get rid of 
all this stuff of the mind, you know. But it's letting go of, you know, the the struggle with it, the the grasping, the the judgment, right? So, again, to me, that sort of part of renunciation is sort of sort of setting up a space where um, we can, again, maybe just through sitting sitting there pretending to be Buddhist, and <laughs> just. And eventually, well, you know, there it goes. (laughs) And we just get more, you know, able to just see it's just this. And it's just, yeah, changing. Uh, And that, you know, how that frees the mind and probably saves us from some, you know, unskillful behavior and unnecessary complications and all of that I was thinking about um, how you know when you come on retreat and you give up uh, lots of activity in, in your phone and all of that and and you have whatever's here and there's stuff you wish was here and it isn't and then there's stuff here that you wish wasn't and then that kind of or when people, where you like them, but you don't like them. And what what I think can so easily happen on retreat, and even, you know, just in a single sit, is that you, you encounter craving. You know, really, like, very, <laughs> you know, up close and personal. It's very, oh, you know, what happens when... Yeah, there's all this simplicity of silence and you know, just this space and it's quite nice but nothing much happening. And then what, what gets going? What gets going? And yeah, I was, I was thinking of the three, the three cravings that seem to accompany, seem to, seem to be like little companions in life kind of happening so much of the time maybe very subtly and then the periods of time where it it, it quietens down so lovely so beautiful where we stop trying to be someone who has that and wants this or has this and wants that or doesn't want this but wants that and I was thinking is that the whole story of our suffering in a way trying to be someone who doesn't have this you know sick body unruly mind just fill in the blank I want to be someone who has doesn't have this but has that And that sense that there's there's this possibility of that also becoming just something that's that's known that just that just happens doesn't have to drag us around so much. It's like sometimes I talk to people about acquiring the taste for quietness, acquiring the taste for you know not much happening. 
and that learning that almost like a, a certain sort of skill to to kind of enjoy and abide in nothing much. I think it's a real skill. It's a, and I given our addiction to activity and to be so patient with that. So I'm looking for a quote from Krishnamurti. There is great happiness in not wanting, in not being something, in not going somewhere. You know, and as you probably feel like so many of the conditions and, and, and sort of worldly momentums are you know, trying to sort of going completely the opposite direction and creating great misery, which is very tragic. So here we can enjoy, we learn to enjoy, you know, the, the nothing much, the quiet, the quieter mind, and maybe find again this sort of way of simplifying yeah, in our life. Mm. And still remain active and responsive. Yeah, maybe we have a few people who we know who kind of have that quality we've met that are very inspiring it's like how do they do that I can <laughs> remember a particular amazing Quaker activist I, I knew a while ago and I, I could just feel like he was so busy doing good and doing going here and there and he was so you know just simple present hi yeah let's talk about know this and yeah some somebody I remember and try to take some inspiration to keep keep sort of learning to show up in life in a sim- in a simpler way you know it's not about abandoning our responsibilities at all mm. I was also remembering a um, story from Thich Han about a glass of cloudy apple juice, which also seems relevant to what I was saying about, you know, not doing, just sit, just sit there. And maybe with a few little tweaks of attention now and then, <laughs> good things happen. <laughs> there's a story from one of his books I think where he's sitting and there's a child and brings him a glass of cloudy apple juice and you know all the sediment is all stirred up and and uh, anyway the, the, the child leaves it on the table for him and then he sits in meditation and um, at the end of the meditation I can't remember exactly the story forgive my terrible memory for details um, the child comes back. He's like, "Oh, look, Ty! You know the and the, the apple juice is clear. It's just like you now. You know, like kind of recognizing that in that forty-five minutes or so, she could see that Ty was like a bit clearer. 
some of his sediment had settled. Yeah. Uh, I find that really, really beautiful and, yeah, kind of, again, just highlighting this sense of the power of, of, of simplifying and staying, staying with, staying, staying with that, following that thread, maybe one of the Dharma's golden threads. Okay, so again, continue the experiment. So you're sitting and you're wondering, what am I doing? You know, what's happening? What is this meditation thing? Um, so we've just unearthed a little bit, a few things about the uh, renunciation, the simplifying. Uh, so I want to move on now and just say a little bit about mindfulness. Mindful awareness, that whole, and each of these could be like 15 talks, but no, it's 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so, 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 what I find is I'll sit there, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, right, and then, and then it, it almost feels to me like, uh, I, it's like mindfulness is, is almost there waiting, ready. Like, so, okay, you stopped. Hi. You know, I'm here. <laughs> and then, like, there can be this process. There can be this, like, kind of, oh, feeling. I, I, think of, I think of it as the shift to awareness. And I know it's not quite as simple as that, and then there's the sustaining, and then it gets stronger and weaker, and then it's gone completely, and then you come back later and thinking, where the heck was I? And But this sense, when I was talking to somebody this week about really noticing, really getting an experiential sense of, oh, here is mindfulness. Ah, like... Not just the idea or the you know got to or something or it's it's here it's 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 uh, you're kind of having that palpable experiential sort of sense of you know and again hard to put into words isn't it somehow but what so 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 if I look at my process I realise that making space you know pausing stepping aside. In this case, sitting down, coming on retreat, and then you say, "It's such a, I don't know, like a small shift to open to something like all the great wholesome qualities." You know, it's it's kind of natural, but it needs to be kind of, you know, recognized. And, oh. mm. and and I don't know about you, but that how how the quality of it often to me feels like you know the space space of awareness, a sense of a space in which everything's happening. Something it's not exactly that, is it? But that that's that can be really helpful. Or the feeling sometimes again I have of I'm not alone. There's a sense of something accompanying, 
So maybe for some of us it's like it almost has that relational sort of quality to it. Like presence, which is which is not just, you know, it's there's something dynamic, there's something oh, there's something with me. Something with experience. Like I'm not in this like little tight sort of cut off box. There's something kind of around around all this which I think can feel very very uh, reassuring and I think maybe this is one of my little windows on how mindfulness is a refuge I wanted to share something from the Buddha about, about this and, and as always, you know, we, we, it's like you can hear these teachings and, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. How, how, do we, how do we find it and feel it and know it in our own experience? That's, that's really what matters. And so how, how do you experience mindfulness as a refuge, you know, or do you? You know, it it seems like different teachers, you know, some talk about resting in awareness or, you know, settling back and kind of resting, settle back, observing, sort of just, but it's a sense of being in something um, that's happening in a way, you know, so there's this contents of experience, but there's also awareness that's also happening and the recognition of that is that sort of where the refuge quality is the the, ref, the sense of protection and support so I just I don't know if that makes sense to you but I almost feel like that's just maybe a nice a sort of helpful reflection to bring in of kind of there is a protectiveness of about mindful awareness and maybe we can like we can kind of learn to recognize that or at least to see you know is that do we do we have some sense of that in our experience and that it doesn't depend on any anything being other than it is this is part of what's so miraculous about it that it, it really, really covers, or potentially covers and includes everything, every possible, conceivable, wonderful, horrible, you know, subtle, gross, conditioned experience. Yeah, it's, and that's, wow. That's, uh, it's something that can be a real protection, a real support. And, and maybe, you know, we overlook it. I must think, like, cause it's not, it's, it's like, you know, you can't, <laughs> here's some mindfulness, I'll give you some of mine. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just it's so hard to put your finger on, isn't it? And so that sort of, you know, the way our, maybe the body or, you know, emotional life or pesky psychologies or, you know, endless streams of thought or whatever it might be, that kind of, it, it takes a certain sort of, ah, uh, 
and settling back, like being aware of all of this is what matters the most. Uh, not exclusively, but I'll say one of the things that matters the most. So I'll just share this teaching from the Buddha with you. Um, so, Ananda, each of you should make yourself your island, yourself and no other your refuge. Each of you <coughs> should make the Dhamma your island, the Dhamma and no other your refuge. How does a bhikkhu do this? How does a practitioner do this? Here a practitioner abides contemplating the body as a body. Ardent, fully aware and mindful. Having put away covetousness and grief for the world. They abide contemplating feelings as feelings. Consciousness as consciousness. Mental objects as mental objects. Ardent, fully aware and mindful having put away covetousness and grief for the world. So maybe I'll move on to the third support to practice that I wanted to touch on this evening, which can follows on along a little bit from this great theme of mindful awareness and that if um, and again I, I think it's maybe different for each of us but what I've, I've I'd, I think also t- t- takes a long time to learn some of these things but I think at some point and I think this is still an ongoing thing that I feel like it's very hard to be mindful without kindness. Very hard, for me anyway. And it's, it's maybe kindness and compassion, metta karuna, because a fair amount of our experience is unpleasant. Am I correct? <laughs> and, you know, unpleasantness tends to condition aversion. And aversion, you know, it's like struggle, conflict, I don't want this, judgment, I can't, you know, it's, so, 
I think you still continue to be caught in those sorts of tangles. We probably all do at times. But what metta, what metta, I mean karuna as well, it's like when we can access that, and again, that's not so obvious. All great ideas, yeah. How do you be kind to yourself in your chaos? With the messiness, with the unruliness of the mind. You know, with things not going according to plan. (laughs) What it says in the book. Or what happened a year ago. (laughs) Or what happens when we just feel... And we're really in the presence of, you know, difficult, painful, unpleasant phenomena. And to me, like, that kindness is really key to supporting the mindfulness, supporting the wisdom, supporting the possibility of, of relating to all that in a, in, a, in a helpful way. So this is also a big topic, isn't it? Like... 59 talks at least on meta <laughs> um, but to really yeah so here, here we are in my experiment of coming to sit what am I doing, what's happening so simplifying okay, knowing aware, aware and then the kindness and Sometimes so elusive. So when I was when I was reflecting, I was thinking, yeah, that. How do you? What is it? How do you? What does it really mean? What does it really feel like to be genuinely kind to oneself? Strangely elusive. Sometimes much easier with other people. And trying to sort of include one oneself in the human race. We're in the community of sentient beings. Yes, you too are included. You're not excluded. Um, so I want to read you something that Pema Chodron wrote that I think I've I learned a lot from about metta. So in this passage, Maitri, the Sanskrit is used instead of metta, the Pali. So she said, or wrote, meditation takes us just as we are, with our confusion and our sanity. This complete acceptance of ourselves as we are is called maitri, a simple, direct relationship with the way we are. Lasting transformation occurs only when we honour ourselves as the source of wisdom and compassion. So I think for me, like, oh, I might lead a guided meta meditation later on in the month, but the, the, what I think helps me most to be open to that quality is a sense of, of welcoming whatever is here, or sort of allowing allowing whatever is here, whatever is arising, allow, allow, allow. That's one of my mantras. It may not work for you, but to me that that opens a door 
to to metta and karuna and maybe it's a lifetime of conditioning of the resisting experience I don't want to feel that that's a scary feeling you know the resistance, the rejection it's too much difficult association with that and this sense of then turning, turning around, turning towards turning towards accommodating it's like a very sort of counterintuitive on one level what to do with what's but this internal you know bits, parts of ourselves sort of having arguments with other parts like an accommodating uh, inclusive kind of uh, welcome, welcoming not not to give rein to unskillfulness but to actually allow mindfulness to function actually <laughs> and it can can do what it's what it can do well okay well hmm, so yeah maybe maybe we'll draw this to a close um, so just to sort of recap a little bit this the, these three qualities of renunciation or simplifying of um you know, just awareness, you could say awareness itself, that which is knowing experience as it comes and goes, um, being, being able to sense the refuge possibility in, in, in being, being, being in touch with that, and, and the caring uh, sort of unsentimental uh, capacity to be to be with in a yeah just non non ill will yeah, maybe not lots of you know strong love and affection and just uh, allowing this being to be as it is as an act of profound kindness. And I think a real support to the whole process of of healing and, and liberation um, that we're we're uh, exploring. So, just finish with a very a few phrases that um, I've been playing a bit with with in meta practice recently. Um, just. To share that with you. Um, first of all, for oneself, may my heart be peaceful and kind. May my heart be upright and true. May my heart find its way home. So just a simple sense of what it would be like to just wish oneself well. This may not be the words that work for you, but may my heart 
be peaceful and kind. And may my heart be upright and true. And may my heart find its way home. And then maybe thinking of another person, just someone here or someone in your life. I can share this same very simple sort of offering of thinking of someone and may your heart be peaceful and kind. May your heart be upright and true. May your heart find its way home. Good wishes for that person. That was carried in in those phrases. And then just ending with a more open and inclusive kind of sense of all beings. May we all, in our different conditions and situations, May our hearts be be peaceful and kind. May we be upright and true. And may our may our heart find its way home. Thank you for your attention. So let's close our time together by chanting the reflection on the sharing of blessings. And again, just pausing to um, just have a sense of... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.